Praise you, Jesus. Now, follow up with those people. We don't want to just pray and we've got to hear the good report. So you need to talk to them. Find out what's going on. Wow. Okay, here we go. Now we're talking. Okay, let me ask you this. Have you ever been on a, on a you, you married couples, have you ever been on a trip uh, with your spouse and you're driving down the road and, and uh, you ask which way you should go or ask for directions and then they say one way and then you say another and then, you know, you, the one person, whoever's driving, finally agrees to go the way they want, but yet you know on their face that they're thinking that their way was better. Has that ever happened to anybody? That's, that's, ever, that's happened before? Okay. I want to make sure I'm preaching to the right group tonight, that y'all are humans. <laughs> so, you know what that's called is disagreement. Right? That's called not unity. Right? Disunity. Right? And so, let me just ask you this. You know how, let me just see if I can bring this back to your memory. I don't want to bring up anything real mad, bad and make anybody mad tonight. But, uh, you know, do you remember how that felt? Right? At that moment, the person that you're supposed to be in agreement with, you know, and, but now you're not. So there's disagreement, disunity in the car, and it kind of builds tension, and that's the way it feels. Okay, I believe with all of my heart that on these Wednesday nights as we're getting together and we're getting our agreement on God's will for divine healing, I believe what's happening is, is that, the, that the demonic forces are losing ground, they're losing power, because when there's disunity, it's very easy. You know, if I'm sitting here believing one thing, Jimmy's believing something else, and Mark's believing something, Larry's got something, everybody's got something, and then, you know, it's, it's a, it's, we're not pulling together. Amen? So what we're trying to do on these Wednesday nights from now till forever, we're just going to keep preaching, we're going to keep talking, we're going to keep tearing this up, we're going to keep looking, we're going to keep flipping this stone over and over and kicking this rock over and over and over and over and over and over and over until it gets in all of our hearts, what Jesus did for us on the cross. Amen? And the moment that that comes into more greater agreement, then you're going to start to see more and more and more of the power of God released. And then we're going to start to see more and more and more uh, exciting healings and miracles. Amen? Okay. So we talked last week about Romans 1.16, about that we're not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation, that the gospel, the good news, the word is the power of God for salvation. And then we talked about, we've been talking forever about Seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds, and we're having to look into our hearts and see what kind of seeds do we have planted. And what you have planted in your hearts, what comes out of your mouth. Okay? I mean, it's that simple. Can't get mad at me. Can't get mad at the preacher. Just listen to what comes out of your mouth, and that's the seeds that's sown in your heart. And I'm telling you, if it goes back to those times that when we believe if God, oh, yes, God can heal anything. But do you believe God will heal you? Well, you know, I don't know. I, you know. And so then you go through all these battles. Well, listen to me. You've got, you've got cuckleberries growing in your garden. And until those cuckleberries are out, until you've got and know exactly 100% the will of God for your life, you're not going to walk in his promises. I don't care what it is. Amen? 
If just just think of it this way, we we use these examples all the time, and uh, <clears throat> we say, "Yeah, that's the truth." You're not going to be healed in your heart if you have anger and unforgiveness towards somebody, okay? And you say, "Yeah, I know, but they were wrong, and they shouldn't have done that." Just listen to what's coming out of you. Listen to what's coming out of your heart. You're still angry. You're still spewing wrath. You're still got all this stuff going on. There's there's some cuckabers growing there. Well, but they really were right. It doesn't make any difference who was right and who was wrong. All right? Well, it goes back to the same thing. If you're going to argue about healing, and your mind's wrestling with, about healing, well, I thought I did believe, and I did this, and you're going through all these things, those, those emotions and all that stuff going on, on the inside of you, you don't know absolutely the will of God for that situation, then therefore you're not going to walk in healing. So I want to show you something tonight. goes back to the words that you're saying you're speaking and, and sowing in your heart. I think we've gone over the sower enough. But uh, I want you to go to uh, Psalms 119.89. It's an amazing scripture here. You've got to get settled in your heart. 119.89. Psalms 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Okay. So... Every seed, would y'all not agree, every seed that's produced on this earth, whatever the seed is, you know, I don't care, grass seed, corn seed, whatever seed, seed. Seed is already engineered to produce whatever it is within that seed, contained within that seed. Y'all with me? You don't ever plant corn and, and just hope for something you know, hope I get something. No, you're expecting corn, right? Y'all ever seen that movie? It's a pretty old movie called Secondhand Lines. When they get the seeds and they plant all the seeds and then they're holding them up and the little sprouts come up and they start going, then all of a sudden they're like, what is in this row, you know? What is in this row? And it's all corn. And that seed salesman got to him because he planted them all corn seed, right? But the seed, well, that was not the fault of the seed. The seed grew what it was engineered to produce, right? Isn't it amazing? Just think about this. Think of the miracle of this, that inside that seed, small seed, doesn't make any difference what size seed it is. That seed has the genetic engineering already in it that it, you know, let's just take corn because it's easy to think about. You put corn seed in the ground and you're going to get a, you know, an eight foot tall stalk and it's going to come out with ears and more corn. It's all in that little seed. It's all engineered inside of that little seed to do. If it's sown on good ground, if it's taken care of, if it's watered, if it's got the nutrients and all like that, that seed will produce. It's geared. It's, 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 just, it's just the way it is. Do we think about it? You just stick it in the ground. Hello? You just put it in the ground, and you just put water on it, and you just do whatever, and you're expecting it to produce. You don't think about it and worry about it and fret about it. Did I really get the seed right? You know, and I remember, you know, my dad, you know, we grew up and, and, and we farmed and ranched. And so, you know, when you're a kid growing up in, in a family like that, you know, your dad just tells you what to do, and you don't ask why. You just get on the tractor and you just drive and do it. And I remember Daddy was always talking about, you know, we we're always trying to get our seed depth right. You didn't want to get it too deep. And then there was this point that you came into, if you did, you know, how much moisture you have in the ground. So did you want to put it deeper and try to get it to the moisture, or did you want to put it shallower and pray for rain? 
right? And so there was always this, this, as a kid, I'm talking about as a kid, I was just driving the tractor, just put the seed in the box. Daddy said it, I drove, you know. But they were always digging in the dirt and measuring. Yeah, look at that deep, you know, you wonder about that deep. you know. And they always used their finger. And I used to always think, well, what if somebody's got a longer finger? <laughs> or somebody's got a shorter finger, you know? Is this a precise measurement? As a kid, I was just thinking, you know, you just dig in there and stick it down there and say, yeah, 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 it's about right. You know? But what is this? People also have different sized fingers. What if I dug in there? I was just a kid. My finger was short, you know? So, and so there was really no science to this. And you scattered that seed, put that seed in there, you know, and basically it all had to do was if, you, if it rained. Y'all with me? I mean, that's really the bottom line. You could have misplanted planted too shallow or too deep, but if it would just rain on it, it's going to produce, right? Then you worry about the bugs coming, right? But that seed's just going to do what that seed's done. Now, if God's word is forever settled in heaven and God's word, which we've been looking at the last few weeks, is a spiritual seed and it's already settled in heaven, that means it's already established that it's going to produce what it's going to produce and nothing can stop it unless Falls on stony ground, birds eat it, gets up in thorns and thistles, doesn't get enough water, doesn't get taken care of, it nurtured, right? It's the seeds engineered. So is the word of God. It's already settled in heaven. It's already done in heaven. And it's already engineered to do a miracle in your life. When he says in Psalms 139 that I, he sent his word and he healed them, he's like, yes, because it's already settled in heaven. But let's go back and figure out how it got settled. Okay. So he said, well, I got settled because it's God's word. Well, yes and no. Now, in the Old Testament, under the Levitical law, under, uh, under the Mosaic law, you had everything was uh, based upon animal sacrifice, right? Now, just think about this. What, what faith does it really take to... Um, have committed a sin, whatever, you knew you'd sinned, and you go to the priest and say, hey, you know, I did this other night. And he said, well, you know, you know that's a heifer offense. <laughs> or you can, you know, bring 46 turtle doves, or you can bring three lambs, or, you know what I'm saying? You know, I don't know, Right? But whatever he tells you what the, what, the, what the rules say for the sin you committed, right? Then you bring it, and you get it there, and take it into the priest, and then the priest goes and takes your sacrifice, and he goes to slicing and dicing, right? And you walk away knowing that you did what the priest said, you gave it, the sacrifice is taking place, and then you walk out of there knowing that you're right, but that everything's right between you and God. Right? That's the way it worked. What always I've always wondered is what happened to you if you walked out of the temple and, you know, whatever. Did you just spend all day going back and forth? Right? But they generally accepted that once they'd given the sacrifice, they were right with God. So when they went home, they went home in faith, knowing that what God had required, the sacrifice God had required, that that had fulfilled 
the obligation, the requirement of what you had done, and therefore they were clean and they were right with God. So in Solomon's day, when they built the temple, he said, Lord, I'm praying and I'm asking you that if anybody in their heart does the sacrifice, does it, and they face towards the temple and they ask towards the temple, no matter where they are when they do that, that you'll hear their prayer and you'll answer their prayer. And God comes back and says, I'll do it. Okay? So there's this faith in the animal sacrifice, knowing you did what you're supposed to do, therefore you're, you're right. Okay? All right. So, New Testament. All right? Go to Ephesians 1.17. Ephesians 1.17. Look down at Ephesians 1.17. <laughs> it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Okay, he's saying, I'm praying your eyes to be open that you can grab this, that you can come to an understanding, a revelational knowledge. Your eyes can be open. You can come. What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. Now he's telling you how he did it. He worked it in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And put all things, everybody say all things, Amen. under his feet. All things. So to me, all things means there isn't anything that can be left out whether it's poverty or sickness or whatever. If all things are all things, then all things are all things. There isn't anything that can be left out. Oh, not that. I didn't really mean that. No, he said all things. All things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So God says, what I'm asking you to do in the new covenant, not the old covenant where you took the sheep to church and walked away clean, in the new covenant, I want you to understand that there's one thing, only one thing you've got to understand. This is what he's saying to you. There's only one thing that you've got to understand that I hope your eyes are open to and you have a revelation of the knowledge of him, that Jesus was the one thing, the lamb that went to be your sacrifice, and I proved it by raising him from the dead that he was my son, and he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, so therefore all things are under him, Right? That's what he's saying. No more sacrifices. The sacrificial, the sacrificial service is over. We sacrificed once. It's all over, and it's put in Jesus. If you believe he's the son of God, and you believe I raised him from the dead, it's under Jesus. All things. There's nothing that cannot be under Jesus. All things. Okay? Now look back up at verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has. It's past tense. Not who's going to, not who will, but who has blessed us with every spiritual 
blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He has blessed us. He's not going to bless us. He has blessed us. That means that it is forever settled in heaven that all things are put under Jesus. And if you're in Jesus, you have all authority in heaven. Right? So then the only problem is we don't live in heaven right now. We live on earth. Right? So any matter you're dealing with involving sickness has to be dealt with in heaven first before you're going to see it manifest on earth. So what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. Well, it's got to get settled in your heart that the word is already settled. The issue of healing is already settled in heaven through Jesus. And that you being in Jesus, then the matter is already settled in heaven with you. And once you know that, once that your eyes are open and the revelation and the knowledge of that hits you, then that's how the just live by faith. You're not looking on this earth and reading your Bible and saying, well, Lord, this is what your word says. This is what your word says. You're saying, I know what your word says because it's already been settled in heaven. It's a revelation to me. I know what it says in heaven. Boom, it happens in heaven. That revelation hits you from heaven. Then it starts to have a manifestation on this earth. I quote Psalms 119.89 like this. Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven. Therefore, I'm going to establish it on this earth. Now, I want to tell you all something. Something can happen to me in life and, and uh, you know, comes, poof, something happens. And depending on what it is and the size of it, sometimes I'm not taken back very far. I may have to stop and say, whoa, whoa wasn't expecting that. And sometimes it, whoa, it pushes on me, kind of, I had to stop and say, whoa, 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 you know, what's going on here? You know, I had to think about this and all. But then the moment I say, whoa, whoa, I got to go to prayer. And I pray. And it gets settled in my heart what heaven says about this issue. And it drops in me. I know when it dropped in me. And it drops in me and says, I won. Then you know what? No matter what it looks like, I know I won. Until then, there's this mental debate going on. <gasps> have I won? It doesn't look like I won. I don't feel like I won. I didn't draw. I did win, then this shouldn't happen. And then there's all this mental stuff going on around in my head. The the trying to figure it out, the 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 the, the you know the things are flying around in my head and my thoughts and I'm and I, but then the moment boom, I know that that's what heaven says. I'm not talking about somebody coming and say, oh, oh, yay, say, that's the, the Lord. I don't care how Pentecostal you get. I want y'all to understand something. Now, y'all may not like this. You know, you may want to throw a stick at me on this one, and you may not believe this, and that's okay. You, you're, you're, you can do it. But I don't care who prophesies to me. Unless I know it, that's what heaven says, it doesn't get settled in my heart. They can come up and say, yeah, hey, Robert, I'm telling you, woo-hoo, God's hands on you, and you're going to do this and that and the other, and this is going to be the greatest year of your life. La, la, la. And I say, man, praise God. Thank you, brother. But when I know heaven said it, woo, something happens to me. Then all of a sudden it's mine. Nothing can take it from me, no matter what happens, no matter what stone throw me. The other ones I'm looking at saying, oh, Lord, that sounds good. Uh, is that right? <laughs> That's how I'm operating. You with me? 
is that really right? You know, is that, is that a good word? But when that's the word for me, that I know it's settled in heaven, then it gets established in my heart. There ain't nothing to take it away from me. I don't care what it looks like. Now, I sometimes sit around and think, <clears throat> I know what your word says, and I know what's going to happen. I know the end result, but why, why is this taking place? Now, there's times in my life I want the distraction to go away. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have to put up with it. I don't want to have to, to listen to the yak yak. Right? I just want it to go. I want it to be magic. We all do. We want it to be magic. We want to be Merlin the magician rather than Robert the man of faith. Because faith says, I know it's already settled in heaven. Therefore, I'm going to establish it upon this earth. I'm going to walk it out. And it's going to happen. But we don't want like the walking out. We just want to walk on a level plane or maybe a downhill, a slight downhill slope. Hello? Whenever we go to Guatemala, one of the things that gets me is that there is no level ground around there. I mean, you just have to hunt for a piece of level ground to stand on. Everything's on the side of a hill. Everything's on a slope. And sometimes I'll get to a place that's just kind of level, and I'll just stand there, you know, like, oh, God, this feels good. This, my ankles are killing me, Lord. I'm enlisting over to the side, crawling up the side of a hill. This whole place is there's no place level. Or standing up this or standing like this, you know. And you just get to a level place, you're like, oh, thank God, this is good. We all like level places. They're good. We don't like the hard road. But you're going to have a hard time walking a hard road if you don't know that it's settled in heaven, if it's not in your heart. So how do you get there? All right? There's no way to get there except to fight through and get there. You have to pray and have fellowship with the Lord till that word drops in you. I'm going through a situation, and uh, the other day, uh, a couple of months ago, and all of a sudden, I wasn't even thinking about it. I wasn't, I wasn't praying about it. I'd, I'd been praying about it that morning and whatever, but I'm out working, doing stuff, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost just said, oh, said you won. So what? Excuse me? I mean, it just erupted in my heart. I didn't see the clouds open. I didn't see anything. It's nothing I was thinking about. I was you won. I said, really? I won? Huh. Thank God, I won. And I can tell you, since that word dropped in my heart, things have looked worse. It doesn't make me any difference. I know I won. I just keep walking forward. I just keep going forward because I don't care what the circumstances and surroundings are. That can't affect what I know I heard in heaven. And I didn't get it out of, you know, get it and stretch it and pull it out of the word. There's there and the other. No, the word confirmed it. But when the Holy Ghost drops it in your heart, you know it's settled in heaven. So you've got to get to the place in life where you know it's settled in heaven. And this is what happens to a lot of us is we can't get it settled in heaven because we're not really settled that Jesus is the sacrifice. Because we would feel better if we took our prized sheep and saw it get killed. We would feel like we were doing something. Some of us just can't get in our heart and accept the fact that Jesus loves us just like we are. We just can't get that settled in our heart that, that we're sitting at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. We can't grab hold of the revelation that Jesus is so wonderful. But this is what you've got to ask yourself. Do you believe he's the sacrifice? 
He was the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Do you believe it? And then second one, do you believe in the resurrection? If you believe in the resurrection, that's the proof that he was the son of God, that he wasn't just a man who died. And the resurrection is a confirmation. Then the rest of it is that whole song comes to, to mind. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. The guy hit pay dirt the day he wrote that one, wherever it was. That's what it comes down to. Do we trust it? Are we going to walk in trust? The just shall live by faith. Or can I just say that the just shall live by trust? Because what happens to you, see, the devil has got a great vantage point because he's here on earth. So he's got a great vantage point to come to you and just say, well, I, don't, I didn't see anything happen. And try to get you to live by what you see, what you feel, your senses, what you can touch, taste, what you hear. I'm telling you, Monday, yeah, Monday we had a great time visiting with the Tates. Uh, some things I'll tell you about later that we're going to do and, and just could help on the orphanage and some things that we were going to give towards and do this. And, and I was on cloud nine because I love to give. I just love to give. And I love to meet people's needs. And so they had some needs, and I said, okay, we'll do it. And, you know, it's whatever. And so and here it is. And so, and so I was just on cloud nine. I mean, I was just on top of the world. I felt so good. I felt like, you know, man, wah, living out the words, you know, I just believe in God. Because the other day, God had spoken to me about, well, it was the Holy Ghost that actually spoke to me and said, if you already know what's going to happen at the end, why are you worried about what's going on now? And I was like, hmm, that is true. So anyway, I was just on cloud nine. I was just like excited. It's like, yeah, fulfilling my destiny. It's what God called us to do. Laura, we're all excited and everything. And no more than I had, they left the house, that all of a sudden the attack came. All right? I mean, they weren't, the dust hadn't even settled in the road. And then here was a phone call, and then here was a bad email, and here was something else that just started coming. And finally I stood up, I said, praise the Lord, the gospel works. Laura said, what do you mean? I said, it says the devil comes immediately to steal the word. Here, look what's happening. Immediately, he's trying to come and steal the word. Praise God, the gospel works. Man, the word works. Thank God I'm on the right road. I'm on the right path. Thank you, Lord. I see this when I caught this one quick. But I mean, it was instantly. Like I said, the dust hadn't settled in the road. He was trying to steal it. Now, we can say, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. But really, that doesn't get us anywhere. What we got to do is just do what I said. You've got to be able to catch it when the enemy's trying to steal it from you. Say, no, 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 the word's already settled in heaven. I already have it in my heart. Have it in my heart. You ain't going to steal it out of my heart because it's rooted and grounded and settled forever in my heart. Your word is settled in heaven. Therefore, I'm going to establish it upon this earth. Then it can't be taken from you. You know, I, I, I have... I have to admit, you know, like I have certain, I don't know if you call them, or, or, gosh, just, I'm scared this is a dirty word, but no. Yeah, it's dirt. Is it a fetish? That's not the right word? 
What is it when you're addicted to something? You've got to have it. You can never have enough. An obsession. How about that? Thank you. I have an obsession with Bibles. Okay? Like I can't pass up if I see a new Bible or a new translation or another cover. Like I have a, I have a whole deal full of Bibles that you can't, you can't, I mean, I, I, some I've never even read. I just like them. And I see them and I just get another, you know, I have that stack. Here's my grandfather's Bible. You know, here's these things that are precious to me. And then I just got another Bible and then I got this one and then I bought that one. And I got a Spanish translation. I got this one. I got a parallel translation. I got this one. I got 27 translations. I got all these things up here. But I never read them, but I just have them there. Okay. And so then one of the other obsessions I have is knives. Mrs. Waltz can say amen over there because I visit her husband all the time. I can't stand it. I look in there and I see them and it just gets on me and I just can't quit thinking about it. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I just need another knife. And I, you know, it doesn't make any difference. I just, no matter if I've got so many, I just want another one. And so I've got so many knives that, that I have knives that I don't remember where I put them. Now, I remember where I got them. I just don't remember where I put them. And so, so my, the point I'm trying to say is it's a good usable knife. It's sharp. And it's right there if I just remember where I put it. And then so ever so often, I'll remember, oh, I put that in that other drawer. Or, oh, no, I took that up there. Oh, it's out there in my glove box in the truck. Right? And I pull it out. And you know what? It's still sharp. There's times in life that you believed in the, the word and you knew it was settled in heaven. But you put it somewhere because you got distracted with all the things going on. The distractions, the dinglies, the jangledies, the problems, the issues of life. And if you'll go back and find that word that was, you knew was settled in heaven, it still will be sharp. That's the point I'm trying to make. It will still be sharp. Go get it and use it. All right? But you've got to go back and get it. I remember when that, you know, that's how you'll do. Oh, gosh, I remember. And see, he said, Ephesians 1.17, that the eyes of your understanding be, your eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and you'd know the hope of the calling, that your eyes would pop open and that's what you need to be praying. Holy Ghost, show me those words that I knew was settled in heaven that I've kind of forgot about. It's that knife that's left in that drawer over there that, that's sharp, but it's going to still be cutting, it's still going to be good, it's still going to do the work, it's still going to get done what needs to get done. Help me find that thing, help me get hold of that thing and when I get back hold of it, you know what? You're back into cutting. You're back into cutting. But the enemy wants to take us and distract us and get us off and get us thinking over there and get us looking over there and forget about the knife and where we put it. Okay? Some people, some people like journal or, you know, have a, have a book of all the promises or whatever they write down, you know, like that. That's really good. But it doesn't do you any good if you don't go read it. You can still have that journaled. If you don't go back and look at it, it's not doing you much, right? So it's, it's the constant remembrance. The constant remembrance, the constant saying, no, settle in heaven. Ephesians 1.3, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's mine. Okay? Now, last thing. Those are things you know you have. But let's say there's something that you want that you don't have. Okay? Healing is what we're talking about. You don't have the revelation of healing. It's not settled in heaven for you. 
Well, when I want another knife, okay? See, I start, I start going and searching. It is kind of like, like I don't know how to explain it, folks. And I, I, I know it's terrible. I'll just be sitting around and all of a sudden I just want one. <laughs> and then so what do I do? Well, you know, thank God for the internet. I start searching the internet. And I look at all kinds of knife companies and, and I go through and I look at them. Y'all are all surprised I'm not talking about guns, right? That's what y'all are all surprised about. Yeah, well, I didn't want to use that one. Anyway. <laughs> And I go through and I search and I look and I, I, I glean and I look to see, you know, the shape and the, you know, the whatever and the handle and the steel and what, it, you know, uh, what it could be used for and what about this. And I, my mind goes to thinking all kinds of everything, you know. But how much greater when it, you're, that becomes you with the word of God? That you're seeking the scriptures and you're looking and you're scratching and you're digging and you're yearning to know what it says and you're 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 just keep going through more and more and and, and you're just trying to find it and it's just welling up on the inside and you're getting excited. Ooh, look about this one. I have found I I I I I've gone back in looking for knives, and I've gone back into like what shape of knife there was in 1800. And look at all the knives. Then how did they make the blades? And how did they make that shape like that? And, and I mean, I can just do, and this is just for my own enjoyment. I may not ever buy one, but I just want to know. I yearn. That's how it has to be with the Word of God. You've got to look and, and, and dig and just yearn to know that revelation and be praying, Ephesians 1.17, God, open my eyes. Let me see. Holy Ghost, show me. Because that's what I'm praying when I'm looking for the knife. Holy Ghost, show me. Where's the place? Where's the website that this is going to be? Oh, and then I find it. You know? And then it comes. I usually just end up going to Mr. Waltz's and telling him what I want and getting him to build it for me, you know? But they go through this whole process. That's what you've got to do for the Word. You've got to want that revelation. And it's not just going to come. Are you with me? It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to, you know, one day you're just going to be walking along and say, no, you've got to seek it. You've got to yearn for it. You've got to find it. And when you do, man, it will change your life. What will start to happen is then as you read your Bible, because this is the biggest hotline there is to, the, to heaven, as you start to read your Bible, all of a sudden it just begins to leap off the pages to you, begin to pops out, pops out, pops out, pops out, pops out. Until finally, the one finally hits sticks, and you're like, that's it. Or you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, here it is. And then it's yours. And it cannot be taken from you. The enemy may try, but it can't be taken from you. And no matter what the circumstance looks like, no matter what the situation looks like, no matter what anything looks like. I think we have a book in the bookstore. I don't know if, it, if there's one there. We used to have one all the time from Dodie Osteen who'd been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And, and she went through this whole thing and went through this whole, you have to go read the book to, to, to see it all, but she'd gone through this whole thing. And then finally one day the revelation hit her. She was in bed. She was feeling terrible. And the revelation hit her. And she, wasn't, she knew it wasn't her emotion. She knew it wasn't her self, her you know, encouraging her. She knew that she had a word from the Lord 
She knew not the word of the Lord said, okay, I will heal you, but it was the revelation of what I'm talking about, that it was settled in heaven and that she was going to establish it on this earth. And so she got out of bed. She didn't feel like it. She got out of bed and went in and she got the vacuum cleaner and she started vacuuming her house. And her husband came in and said, what are you doing? And she says, I'm healed and I'm vacuuming in my house. Now, physically, she wasn't. At that moment, she wasn't. But as she just kept believing and knowing what the word said in heaven, it was settled in heaven that she was establishing on this earth, then took a little bit, and then boom, she was healed. But see, I see a lot of Christians try to do it. They're just trying to do it in mental ascent. They're just trying to do it in their head. They don't know that it's settled. You have to know it's settled. You have to know it's settled. You have to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know it's settled in heaven. And no matter what circumstances and situations look like, it does not affect you because you know it's settled in heaven. You walk through the fire, you, 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 you do whatever you got to do, you trudge through the mud, doesn't make any difference because Psalms 119.89 is yours. The word is settled in heaven. Therefore, I'm going to establish it on this earth. Amen? Amen? So praise God. Let's all go home and hunt for some knives. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. It reminds me when we were in when we were in London, and I wanted one of my dreams is I want to go to Holland and Holland, the great shotgun factory, and and so I went, and I was a little disappointed going into it because it turned into more of a clothing line. But I got finally got back to the back where the the guns were, and I was looking at all the guns, and I was like, oh man. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I grew up watching Tarzan, the old black and white Tarzan. And the guys walking with that shotgun or that double rifle under their arms, you know, walking like this, you know, out hunting the animal. And I always wanted one. But around here, you got no use for a double rifle. But they're cool. And Holland Holland makes one of the best. And so I went and I saw them. They were there and I was like, ah, there they are. So I went and I looked. And I looked down at the price tag, you know. Cheapest one I could find was 127000 <laughs> And I knew it. I, I'd already went in there expecting, but I was just kind of hoping that they didn't have one discounted that day. It says the first Texas cowboy that comes in gets this gun, you know, or something. And so anyway, I, when I was walking around the store looking, and I saw this display of knives. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, we've got knives here. So I went over and I was looking at their knives, and they had, you know, of course, hollow and hollow written on the engraved in the side of the knife. And so I was like, oh, man, maybe I could get a knife here. And so then I looked and I said, knife's only a hundred dollars. I said, man, hundred dollars, and hey, that ain't nothing. And I thought, I better put your glasses on. <laughs> My glasses I'm looking at. Ooh, that says a thousand dollars. That's not a hundred dollars, and it's not dollars; it's pounds. So I'm like, okay. Let me take a picture. <laughs> Amen? Okay, so you got to check on these people. All right, it's your job. Check on them. See what's going on. And uh, I want to hear a report. And you got to see what you know is settled in heaven. And maybe some of y'all need to go dig through some drawers and find some things that you didn't know that you know you've left. Amen?